This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. No service, no satisfaction. It's really inconvenient, that's for, that's for sure. The cross-country Rogers outage and the impact on pretty much everything. Also tonight, the future of fourth doses. It's all about the fall. We want you to wait to get your next booster in the fall. Why BC is waiting and how the next round of shots could be very different. And pig predicament. They seem to just be multiplying. The new hog hazards on an island golf course. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. It has been a day of frustration and a grim reminder of just how dependent we are on technology. Millions of Canadians have been disconnected from mobile and internet services today. The cause, a massive network outage at Rogers Communications. It went out overnight and there's no word on when the service will be restored. Imadagahi reports. There's a little bit of a panic. For most people, life without a cell phone is unthinkable. For millions of Canadians, Friday, this became a reality. Well, I'm traveling and working and I can't work. It's been, it's been going on for at least seven, eight hours. Many woke up not being able to check emails or make calls and soon learned there's a lot more disruption to come. Couldn't contact my family. Getting into Vancouver, can't get a taxi or an Uber. The widespread network outage affecting Rogers' cell phone and internet customers began overnight. And by morning, it had complicated life as we knew it. Lots of inconvenience in the sense that uh, uh, trying to communicate with my wife around moving the kids around is uh, almost impossible. Business is the first to bear the brunt of debit machines going offline. My debit card got declined, but I just pulled money out here at the ATM. So something's going on with the banks. They're upset with us uh, because it's not working, and then they find out, well, the whole Rogers system is down. At Delaney's Coffee House in North Vancouver, staff decided to start tabs so people could pay later, something taxis at YVR weren't willing to entertain. There is no internet in the city. We have no internet. They said you cannot get into taxi if you don't have enough cash because the system is shut down and they don't accept a credit card. How stupid is that? E-transfers not working. ATMs unpredictable. Cash became king. So everybody here has cash except me? In eastern Canada, where many use Rogers for home internet, Starbucks became the office. Friday morning, national connectivity to internet had dropped 25%. Government services like the ArriveCan app went offline. Meanwhile, 911 was operational, if you could reach it with a different network. We acknowledge the impact our outage is having on your life, Rogers wrote in a statement. We have every technical resource and partner fully deployed to solve the problem, but gave no ETA. I don't know, it's kind of a good message, really. You know, that you can't take that stuff for granted. For some, the day without internet was a breath of fresh air. It's kind of like a day off, you know? So if any, you miss any obligation, you're like, oh, sorry, man, grid was out. 
The irony of the situation not lost on some, including rival Telus, who took an indirect shot at Rogers with an impromptu marketing email. Imadagahi, Global News. And still more impacts of the outage, this time at Delta Port. The Port of Vancouver says land operations at the port are not affected, but the cellular outage has affected truck gates at global container terminals uh, at Roberts Bank. And due to mechanical issues, the counterflow is not being implemented for tonight's commute at the Massey Tunnel. Motorists are advised to expect delays and think about taking the Alex Fraser Bridge as an alternative. Now to COVID-19, and just like other provinces in Canada, we are seeing a rise in the cases of the Omicron BA5 variant. But BC health officials are still holding off on handing out fourth doses to those between the age of 12 and 70. As Aaron MacArthur reports, that second booster shot will come, just not yet. In the midst of what looks like a third wave of the Omicron variant, The B.C. government is rolling out its plan to provide second booster shots to everyone who wants one. There is a catch. Those boosters won't be coming until the fall. We have to be nimble if if things change and take direction from public health. But right now our planning is focused on starting our fall campaign in September. Despite recommendations from NACI that everyone over 12 be offered the second booster, the plan in B.C., is to roll that out just before the brunt of what is typically the riskiest time of year. Health officials are hoping that while cases are climbing, the burden on the healthcare system will be muted. We expect to see fluctuations in the number of cases, number of people um, having to go to a hospital because of it. But right now, with the vaccine that people have, if they have received all the recommended doses, people are very well protected. Vaccine experts say the key to fighting these variants now and then later this fall will be an entirely new formulation of the vaccine itself. Pfizer and Moderna both have products in the pipeline, but they will have to go through a whole new approval process from Health Canada. Problem is how long we'll take that. Probably we still need to wait about two or three months minimum. While more than 90% of British Columbians have had their first and second doses, the fall-off for the first booster is dramatic. 1.3 million people don't have that protection yet. Some experts say governments were too quick to remove preventative measures like mandatory masks from indoor spaces. And as circumstances change, those circumstances will be judged. But every action has consequences for people, for people's health, and for the society. And we're going to continue to act based on all the evidence and follow direction with respect to uh, COVID-19 and public health. Certain people who feel they are susceptible to infection from this latest COVID surge can still get a fourth dose if they ask for one. Notifications for what the plan means to individual British Columbians will start going out Monday. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Indigenous leaders behind the push to host the 2030 Olympics say the cost will be up to $4 billion funded by private and public money. The 2030 feasibility team released the estimate this morning, calling it a huge opportunity. It would be the first Indigenous-led games in Olympic history. To save money, organizers are proposing to use many of the same venues as the 2010 games in Whistler and Metro Vancouver. But the biggest change will involve dropping Cyprus as a venue and moving those events to Sun Peaks. 
Breaking news and some good news for superstore shoppers. The results of a strike vote by thousands of unionized workers at the major big box retailer in BC are now in. Our Paul Johnson joins us from a superstore in Vancouver with more on the results. Paul? Yes, Sophie, good news for shoppers, as you said. Uh, We learned just within about the past hour that workers at the 28 superstores across the province, the union representing them, voted to accept the latest offer coming from the parent company, Loblaws, and this averts the possibility of a strike. And just to put this into perspective, this would have been quite disruptive. We're talking many thousands of workers across the province, 28 superstores and three distribution centers. Some of the talk uh, before this was decided was pointing out that if this did go to a strike, this would have been the biggest grocery sector strike to have taken place in the province in decades. The sticking point that they were arguing about, of course, no surprise, was wages. The workers were saying their standard of living has fallen behind inflation. And they were also making the point, like a lot of unions have been pointing out as their workers have been going into negotiations recently, that during the pandemic, these workers stepped up. They're frontline workers. They did their job so British Columbians could be fed and they deserved what they felt was a good deal. So they feel like they've gotten one. There will be no strike at the superstores and shoppers certainly don't need any more frustrations with what we've seen with supply chains in pretty much every aspect of retail labor. Mm-hmm. Sophie? Nope. No kidding. All right. Thanks for that. Paul Johnson reporting for us in Vancouver. Well, you may have noticed this on your drive this morning. Gas prices have dropped overnight. Most gas stations in the lower mainland now selling gas for $199.9 a liter. It's the lowest price at the pump we've seen since mid-April. Our standards certainly have changed, haven't they? The president of Canadians for Affordable Energy suggests you fill up your tank today as the prices won't be staying that low for long. It's a bit of a temporary reprieve for motorists who, you know, are still paying 30, 35 cents a litre more than what they were paying this time last year. Uh, but it's a small benefit, I think, that uh, we can and should be able to take advantage of, given uh, uh, the skittishness in markets, which, uh, in my view, won't last very long. McTague predicts an increase of five cents a litre on Saturday, which would bring prices back up to 204.9. Former clerk of the B.C. legislature has been sentenced for the legislature's spending scandal. It'll be three months for Craig James, but not behind bars. The punishment handed down today and what the judge said about his crime. Next on the News Hour. Extreme weather flattens a home and damages several others in southern Alberta. The path of destruction later on the News Hour. Also tonight, the Canucks draft Elias Pettersson. Yes, you heard that right. The new prospect with the familiar name later. Right now, though, the former clerk of the B.C. legislature has been handed a conditional sentence for breach of trust after he was found guilty of using taxpayer money to buy personal clothing. But as Kristen Robinson reports, Craig James won't be spending any time behind bars. After signing paperwork on his three-month conditional sentence order, Craig James leaves the B.C. Supreme Court registry. He'll serve the first month under house arrest with two exceptions. The former clerk of the B.C. legislature will be able to attend mass on Sundays and shop for groceries two hours per week. During the second and third months, he'll be under a 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew. Are you happy with the outcome? 
Defense had argued for a conditional discharge and 12 months probation. Crown wanted one year incarceration, in jail time, or a conditional sentence. Associate Chief Justice Heather Holmes decided a conditional discharge would be contrary to the public interest and would not adequately denounce James's conduct or deter others. Mr. James, how's your trial going? James was found guilty of breach of trust for inappropriately expensing clothing as work attire. Holmes acquitted the former legislature clerk on fraud and other breach of trust charges related to a quarter of a million dollar retirement benefit and the purchase of a wood splitter and trailer bought in case of an emergency at the legislature. At trial, the court heard James bought dozens of items at gift shops during business travels abroad. Holmes said there was not enough evidence to support that they were for his personal use. The sentence, the final chapter in a scandal that began nearly four years ago when James was escorted out of the legislature after then-Speaker Daryl Plekis brought what he called criminal misappropriation of public money to the RCMP. He's someone who lost his uh, lifetime appointment and the $357,000 a year that went with that. A prison sentence would have been an unequivocal denunciation of the behavior. Uh, but at the same time, I understand where the judge is coming from. Holmes found James breached public trust at its very heart and committed an offense against the public. Any comments? Uh, no, I don't have any comment at all. James must also pay $1,800 in restitution, the total amount of the clothing Holmes said he fraudulently claimed and was reimbursed for. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Vancouver police are looking for a man who's wanted Canada-wide and poses a safety risk. Melky Torres Foote is 27 years old. He's wanted for breaching a conditional sentence order from an aggravated assault charge. He's 5 foot 8 inches tall, about 135 pounds, with short black hair, brown eyes, and a 2-inch scar on his cheek. If you know where he is, you are asked to call 911 right away. Torres' foot is considered dangerous, and investigators believe his violent behavior may be escalating. A woman has been hurt in an early morning shooting in Surrey. It happened in the 8600 block of 151 B Street at about 3.40 a.m. The 40-year-old woman was shot and is in stable condition in hospital. RCMP investigators are looking for a man seen fleeing the area on foot. He was dressed all in black, carrying a backpack and a flashlight. Police are still looking for dash cam footage from the area that might help with the investigation. It is too early in the investigation to determine a motive. I can tell you that the occupants of the residence are being fully cooperative with police. While the woman remains in hospital, her injuries are considered to be non-life-threatening. RCMP are searching for a suspect after a man suffered serious injuries in a shooting outside a home in North Nanaimo last night. Witnesses reported seeing the suspect flee in a vehicle near Lost Lake Road and Laguna Way. The victim, in his 30s, is in hospital and is expected to survive. Police say no one else was injured and this appears to be an isolated incident. Anyone with information in this case is asked to contact Nanaimo RCMP. And two British Columbians are facing charges accused of dropping drugs into a maximum security prison in Manitoba. The case started on July 2nd when guards at Stony Mountain Institution found a drone with drugs attached to it. 
The next day, it happened again. This time, police were ready and found a vehicle with yet another drone in the back seat. They arrested two men. On Wednesday, police raided an Airbnb where the men were staying and found a firearm and a large quantity of drugs. Sharam Toki of Vancouver and Jalen Falk of Burnaby are facing multiple charges. Up next, the shocking assassination of Shinzo Abe. The shooting death of the former Japanese prime minister in a nation where gun violence almost never happens. Plus, Elon pulls out of his deal with Twitter. The Tesla CEO's latest move just ahead. Traffic is in pretty good shape over here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge, where it's still a little busy, though, is on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at BCAA.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. Former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has died after being shot while giving a campaign speech. A gunman opened fire on Abe from behind as he was speaking on a street in the city of Nara. The 67-year-old was airlifted to hospital where he was pronounced dead from major damage to his heart along with two neck wounds. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau calls his death horrifically disturbing. He was a thoughtful compassionate, strong leader who, who understood the importance of service, understood the importance of building a better world. Abe was the longest serving prime minister in Japanese history. He stepped down in 2020. A 41-year-old man was arrested moments after the shooting, a homemade gun found nearby. Well, Russia has not been especially forthcoming with the number of its soldiers killed in Ukraine. But a recent estimate by Ukrainian officials put the toll at 36,000. And as Jeff Semple reports, an analysis shows many of those killed were from some of Russia's poorest regions. The Pankin family has a full house. Parents Galina and Alexei have 13 kids, including nine foster children. But at the family dinner table, one seat now sits empty. The parents say their adopted son, Daniel, was bright, funny, and full of energy. After their meal, the family gathers to watch this slideshow of photos from his life, which was produced after his death. Daniel was a soldier in the Russian army. In April, just weeks before his 20th birthday, he was killed fighting in Ukraine. He proposed to his girlfriend before he left for Ukraine, his mother says. Our family was about to get even bigger, but he never made it home. The Pankin family, while rich in love, are from one of Russia's poorest regions. When Daniel joined the military last year, it offered housing and a salary several times larger than the national average. The Kremlin has remained tight-lipped on the number of Russians killed in Ukraine. But an analysis of around 3,600 soldiers identified so far found the vast majority are from some of Russia's poorest, most ethnically diverse regions. 
By comparison, only a fraction of the soldiers came from more affluent cities of Moscow and St. Petersburg. Like many in Russia, the Pankin family receives most of their information about the so-called special military operation from state TV. And while they could be jailed for saying otherwise, they blame NATO and the United States for provoking Russia. Our perception of the military operation hasn't changed much even after Daniel's death, he says. If anything, I have more anger now. After a few weeks in Ukraine, Daniel told his parents he was considering quitting, but didn't want to abandon his friends. They were told he was killed by a Ukrainian tank while providing cover fire for his comrades. He was awarded this medal, the Russian Order of Courage. He didn't die in vain, she says. He died fighting for peace. A portrait of a Russian soldier. Poor young men immersed in Putin's propaganda. Jeff Semple, Global News. Billionaire Elon Musk is looking to end his $44 billion deal to buy social media giant Twitter. In a letter filed to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Musk's lawyer claims Twitter has not complied with its contractual obligations. And the Tesla CEO is now looking to terminate the proposed merger agreement. The deal included a $1 billion breakup agreement for either side. Coming up, the U.S. president takes action on abortion rights. The choice we face as a nation between the mainstream and the extreme. Why some say it's not nearly enough. Next. And later, what new research reveals about the potential impact of a tsunami in the Pacific Northwest. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Good evening, and after a super busy afternoon commute over here for southbound traffic at the Massey Tunnel, where they never got counterflow in their favor, it's completely eased off now, just a little slow, south of Steve's Highway on the approach. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $33 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. It's been two weeks since the U.S. Supreme Court ended nearly five decades of precedent on abortion rights, with the matter now tied up in several legal battles as states try to restrict or outright ban the procedure. And while the president announced some action today, there is mounting concern from within his own party that it's not enough. Global's Reggie Cicchini has more. This is a country at a crossroad, one where its courts are moving opposite of popular opinion. In the weeks since abortion rights were all but erased, the White House, rife with criticism, has been short on action, instead urging the public to rise up. The only way to fulfill and restore that right for women in this country is by voting. On Friday, U.S. President Joe Biden signed executive action to protect access to health care, including abortion and contraception. The choice we face as a nation between the mainstream and the extreme. The moves are more symbolic than practical. It won't restore rights, rather expand people's knowledge of their rights. 
We can and must move good policies forward in as many states and as many cities as we can. We have to make sure that we get Congress to act. The president's power is limited, but its criticism of the courts has been criticized itself for being all talk. Experts argue in a year when political power is on the line, even a perception of doing work can be beneficial. We had a clear warning, but they missed a tremendous opportunity in not reacting immediately, not presenting a plan immediately. The matter of optics and messaging goes beyond Roe. Inflation, supply chains, even the formula shortage have raised questions to whether this president can meet the moment. Throughout his life in the Senate, he learned that Number one, you don't get in trouble for what you don't say. And number two, a lot of problems solve themselves if you give them enough time. Well, that's not true anymore. Neither of those things works when you're president. And it shows. Biden's approval is below 40 percent, putting his party in overdrive to ensure critical issues remain up front. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Up next, a path of destruction in southern Alberta. It looks like a war zone. Surveying the damage after a tornado touches down. They seem to just be multiplying and uh, it just now it's just become uh, just a pain. Plus, who's hogging the tea times on a Vancouver Island golf course? What was the odds that my son would come to Canada and run into the devil himself? He shoots her four times. Four times. If you don't catch somebody in the first few weeks, few months, a year, it's tough. She told me that if her family found out that they would kill her. If they didn't get the conviction, he walks, that's it. He's free. I broke down. I couldn't help but fall to my knees and cry. Did you kill your wife? Sorry? Crime Beat, Fridays on Global. If a big enough earthquake were to hit around the Seattle area, researchers say it could cause a tsunami that would reach further inland than previously thought. A study published by the Washington State Department of Natural Resources showed if a magnitude 7.5 quake or higher occurred beneath Puget Sound, it could cause a tsunami, producing waves of up to 42 feet, which could reach as far as T-Mobile Park. Researchers warn residents it only takes three minutes for a tsunami to take place after an earthquake, so they advise people to prepare ahead of time. Residents in a small community outside of Sundry, Alberta, are assessing the aftermath of a powerful tornado. Neighbors are helping each other clean up after the intense twister destroyed one home and wiped out forests of trees. Jill Croteau reports from the path of the destruction. Acres and acres of trees leveled by the force of the tornado. It touched down south of Sundry, impacting five properties in a community called Bergen. One home taking the brunt of it, the twister tearing apart the home and all of the outbuildings surrounding it. A neighboring homeowner feeling grateful his home was spared, but knows the long road to recovery from this destruction. Shingles blown off the roof, water in the Quonset, uh, horse shelters picked up and tossed around. Uh, trees down, like the whole forest is wiped out, the woodshed's gone, the tractor tent is picked up and pitched across the street into the ditch. Um, but what can I say, like it's destruction, like it looks like a war zone. The MD of Mountain View is providing victims assistance and search and rescue volunteers are helping out where they can. The people here promise to pitch in to get through this together.
Right now, uh, everyone is trying to give these families some distance and just allowing them to actually comprehend what's happened to them and then the county will be here when when they need us. We don't know um, you know the details of exactly was it one was it multiple um, we're still weeding through reports and the uh, evidence at this time but uh, we're very confident a, a tornado of some kind is, has affected this area. In Bergen, Jill Croteau, Global News. All right well uh, we managed to round out the, the end of this week with uh, some lovely sunshine. Yes. And so, of course, uh, on a nice day like this, why not bring Christy back inside the studio? Yeah, and it didn't have anything to do with the Rogers outage at all. No, no. No, that didn't affect us yeah. even a little bit. Such a pleasure to be in the studio. Thanks so much, Sophie. Great to see everyone here. Uh, yes, so a little bit of a, a nice day in many areas, but a little bit of action happening. You can see lightning strikes still uh, in play right now. I wanted you to note, though, there's only two forest fires across southern BC because conditions are still quite wet, which is great because we've had a number of lightning strikes over the last couple of days, but we haven't been able to get that ignition. Across northern BC, a different ballgame with about 26 fires burning right now. It's much drier in through that region. Also some good news when it comes to the BC River Forecast Centre. We've got a number of areas that have been downgraded. So uh, we now just have a few areas under high stream flow advisory. The Quinell River has been downgraded from a flood warning to now a flood watch. We're still watching, though, the Chilcotin and the Nijak area, but the Skeena area has been downgraded, no longer a concern. So we're certainly starting to see an improvement there. As we head into the weekend, though, we will see rainfall across the north and central coast, northern part of Vancouver Island as well. Cloud cover shifting into southern uh, south coast areas. We do have a very slight chance of showers, but overall it should be dry for your Saturday. But I wouldn't rule out a passing shower. Sunny breaks, though, expected by the afternoon. And a quick note, we do have a strong wind warning for these three areas. So it's particularly near the Qualicum Beach area for tomorrow afternoon, also through House Sound, southerly flow for tomorrow later in the day, and off the coast of Victoria with gusts, uh, sorry, knots up to uh, 30 uh, potentially. There's a forecast for the northern regions. Again, spotty conditions, but at least some sunshine in the mix. We do have that slight chance of an isolated shower or thunderstorm though in the interior, and for the south coast, majority of the cloud cover will be in the morning. Breaks later on, although a slight chance of a shower across Vancouver Island later in the day. So Morning cloud, afternoon sun is sort of the plan, Sophie, with some nice sunshine in store for us on Monday and Tuesday. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Kelowna. This is taken from actually an employer of ours, Sylvia. She works up at the CHBC or Global Okanagan, and she captured this as the snowbirds were going by today. Oh, very nice. Lovely blue sky up there. Thank you, Christy. It's not something you'd expect to see on a golf course, but pigs are hogging the fairways at the Cowichan Golf Club these days, causing thousands of dollars in damage. As Kylie Stanton reports, the club is worried it's only going to get worse. You've heard of birdies and eagles on a golf course, but this might be a first. Well, I actually saw them on Sunday, and my first reaction was, of course, oh, they're so cute. They've been sneaking onto these fairways for more than two months now. This is just a small portion of the damage. Creating a bit of a sty, which you could say is par for the course. I mean, we see lots of wildlife, but not pigs. Today, there's just three little pigs, a threesome that didn't book a tea time. You know, we're getting a live show here, and this is what we're experiencing every day here at College and Golf Club. They're hogging all the insects and grubs, easy to spot, on the well-manicured links. And it's clear word has gotten out. There's baby pigs, sucklings. They seem to just be multiplying, and uh, 
it just now it's just become uh, it's just a pain. The animals are wreaking havoc on the course, so far costing the facility thousands of dollars. And the fear is they're going to need a bigger piggy bank. If they get into the greens, it becomes astronomical. To have to rebuild something like that, they could, that could be into the $150,000 range. It turns out this is an issue around the world. And as the numbers grow, so too does the problem. They are considered by myself and many others to be the worst invasive large mammal on the planet. So if you said what could be worse, I would say nothing. <laughs> this is as bad as it gets. They're coming from this property right across the gully. Where Jackson has tried to work with the owner, but so far the pigs aren't going wee 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 all the way home. In a statement, the Ministry of Agriculture and Food writes, the owner of the pig is responsible for their containment. Animals can be captured by a pound keeper, peace officer, the livestock owner, or the owner of the land on which the livestock is at large. We've reached out and we've had some people actually volunteer uh, their, uh, their time and their expertise, which has been great, and uh, we'll be moving kind of forward from that. It comes down to the safety of the players and the animals as well. Calling four doesn't work so well with four-legged friends. We love this course, so I hope something is happening very soon. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Cowichan. They got to replace their divots. That's yeah. That's good golf etiquette. What the hogs do? You got to replace your divots if you're on a golf course. I think they have other priorities. I know. <laughs> but Eating being one of them. If you could teach them golf etiquette, look at, I watched that movie Babe. Look what I they mean, taught him. Some of the golf courses in Florida have, like, alligators, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yes. This is nothing. They don't have good golf etiquette either. No. Um, what do you have for us? Well, I have a number of things. Um, the Canucks have a new Elias Pedersen. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But the uh, Whitecaps are playing at home tonight. And when they play at home, they seem to like to score their important goals right near the end of the game. If you see our games... We, only, we always have a lot of chances in the second half. Yeah, this has happened a number of times this season, but it's good. It's gotten Vancouver a lot of points in the standings lately. Also tonight, you made it to Friday, and satellite debris will be your reward. Well, finally, Roger says its wireless services are starting, starting to recover, and they're hoping to get everyone back online ASAP. I'm still not online, but the outage will have an impact on some people heading to tonight's Whitecaps game. BC Play Stadium says due to the nationwide network outages, vendors can only accept credit cards or cash-to-card payments for any purchases. There will be cash-to-card kiosks at a couple of locations on the concourse. So you have been warned. All right, now let's bring in uh, Squire. I had to look at this Canucks tweet twice this okay. morning. I was a little confused well, by it. You are seen double now, at least as far as the names are. We will be, yeah. Yes. Uh, the NHL draft finished up in Montreal this morning. All seven rounds were done, and the uh, Canucks left Montreal with six new players. But the one who got the most attention was the defenseman Vancouver took in the third round. He's the guy you see in the photo right beside me. Why does this young man have so many people talking about him in Vancouver? It's his name. Let me show you 
this new Canucks prospect from Sweden's name. Yes, his name is Elias Pettersson. But he's never met the original Elias Pettersson. Who knows, one day in the future, Elias Pettersson might score a goal assisted by Elias Pettersson. There was a time the Canucks had two Greg Adams on the team. The new Elias Pettersson won gold at the U18 World Championships with Sweden, which included the Canucks' first-round pick from yesterday, Jonathan Lekaramaki. Uh, Here are all the players Vancouver took in this year's draft, and a number of them will be here next week for the Vancouver Canucks prospect camp, including Elias Pettersson, number two. The Vancouver Whitecaps and Minnesota kick off 7.30 tonight at BC Place. The game will be on the radio, AM 7.30. That makes sense, 7.30 at 7.30. Now, if you're going to the game, you just heard the thing that Sophie told you, but if you're going to the game, don't try to leave early to beat the traffic because this year the Vancouver Whitecaps are in this last-minute mode scoring winning or tying goals just before the end of the game. It's the biggest reason they are back in the playoff race after starting this season on their face. Toss Ricketts beating Toronto FC in the 90th minute. Eric Godoy's 90th minute goal got a draw against San Jose. Lucas Cavallini's penalty kick goal right before the end beat Dallas. Ryan Gall did the exact same thing in injury time to beat Real Salt Lake. And Andres Kubas broke the hearts of LAFC in the 89th minute. So why do the Caps excel leaving things to the last minute? Uh, I think it's because uh, we are very well prepared physically and we always outrun the other team and we outwork the other team. And at the end we always have, if you see our games, we, only, we always have a lot of chances in the second half. And I don't think it's, uh, it's by, uh, I would say, case, but it's because we, we are physically very good. And, we, and the other thing is that we are very well organized. If you, if you are good physically and you keep your organization, that's the reason why you have chances at the end, and that's the reason why we scored at the end. Even when we didn't score, like with New England, we had a lot of chances in the last five minutes. Surrey's Adam Svensson, second round of the Barbasol. He, of course, led after the first round at 10 under par. They had a weather delay, and he had to wait for over an hour to get back on the course. He saves par there with a putt on number 14. Here's the 15th hole, and this chip shot is beautiful, and it'll set up a birdie that he will make. So he goes to 15 under par. He lost a stroke, uh, bogey in the 16th, but this is 17 now. Another nice approach. Now, we should say there are some golfers who haven't finished round number two, but Svensson goes to sleep tonight with a two-shot lead at 15 under par. Let's see if he can hold on on the weekend. You know, he really should have a caddy. That's a lot of stuff to be carrying up the stairs for Novak Djokovic. Djokovic against Nori, semi-final action, and watch this point. It's a beauty from Novak Djokovic. It includes a tweener. Right here, watch. Between the legs and a lob between the legs and that lands in and then goes to the net. We gotta see that one more time. There we go. You gotta be a pro to do that. He lost the first set Djokovic did, but he won the next three and that means it'll be Djokovic and Nick Kyrgios in the Wimbledon final on Sunday. Of course, Kyrgios got a free pass because Nadal had to pull out. Should mention Whitecaps tonight, of course. Tomorrow, they got to turn it right around at BC Place tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock. The Battle of the Unbeaten, Winnipeg against the BC Lions.
All right. All right. Thank you, Squire. And stick around. Squire has satellite debris for you next. Jordan Armstrong is here with a look ahead to Global News at 11. What will you be talking about tonight, Jordan? Gee, I wonder. (laughs) Sophie, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, Rogers says it has started restoring its wireless service. One of the questions tonight, what about compensation? A lot of people and businesses lost a lot of money today. Rogers says it will credit all customers and have more information to share about compensation soon. So if we hear anything else on that, we'll update you at 11. Plus, with all the chaos and cancellations at Canadian airports, you might think the train is the more reliable option. Oh, but think again, because Via Rail workers have issued strike notice. Find out when they could walk off the job at 11, Sophie. Lots going on. All right. Thank you, Jordan. And it is Friday, so of course that means it's satellite debris time. We could use some talking and singing animals or something like that uh, do we have talking we have kind of a, a, a talking animal on this okay. first one kind of kind of okay so we've had a lot of coke commercials over the years we've seen plenty of pepsi commercials you don't often see an rc cola commercial but here's one creepy. The bunny was a little weird. I mean, let's be real. He was a talking animal. You like talking animals. So have either of you actually had RC Cola? I have. No. What is it? Is it? What does it taste like? It's different. Like that bunny. (laughs) Like the whole commercial. Exactly. Like the bunny. Like sandals and socks. Kind of different. Different. Uh, Okay. So um, this gentleman is known as Sketchy Andy. Andy Lewis. He's actually better known as a slackliner. But uh, he doesn't mind a little base jumping occasionally. I just wanted to show this because it's so weird looking. He has the selfie stick. What's weird is when he first jumps off this cliff. Okay. You'll see what I mean. Yeah. Three, two, one, see ya. Bye. Oh. oh. It just looks odd. It's like he's floating. Oh, wow. Yeah, it does. So but he's, he's not. going down. No, he's, oh. he's down. And he only has a very small pool of water to land in. And there are quite a few rocks that he could hit. In fact, you'll see right at the end, I think it got a little oh dear. sketchy Tight. for Sketchy Andy. But he gets really? in there. Oh yes. Thanks to the people at GoPro, he's okay and we got to see exactly what he did. There you go. 
He seems so relaxed. I know, that I know. was close. That was a little too relaxed with all those rocks <laughs> at the end. Okay, uh, this one is for the national lottery. Not our national lottery, a different national lottery. What happens if your ticket blows away from you? Hiya. Hello, Mo, love. Can you check my ticket? Of course. Oh, you're not going to believe this, Mo. You've won. What? Yes! Come on! Yes! My ticket! Mind the shop here. I'm coming to it, Mo! I have no idea how much he won. We never did find out, but it was enough that the entire town helped him find the ticket. <laughs> well, I wonder if he would have shared his winnings. Well, with he should have. Uh huh. After should all have. that effort. Uh, and I was curious, so I looked it up. The RC and RC Cola stands for Royal Crown. Oh, I was going to say. It. Did you know that? I did know that. Did you know that, Christy? No, I okay. did not. Good, I don't feel alone then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Squire. All right, uh, Christy, final word on weather for the weekend. So uh, we do have a very slight chance of a passing shower. Overall, it should be a dry weekend, but just keep that in mind. Certainly some cloud cover through the morning hours across the area, but some breaks of blue sky, especially into our Monday and Tuesday, that's when you can expect some sunshine. So pretty nice overall over the next few days. No, no, none of this. This is like the 1980s. We can't, can't phone anybody, can't text anybody. We have to actually talk to each other in I was, person. I was you going kids around out looking there, for a, this is what a landline to today. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no one has one of those anymore, Christy. Yeah. Have a good night, all.